Uh, and you thought you were rid of that guy, but uh, he's going to keep reappearing. So for the record, Jackie and I are signed up for the marriage event. We saved our money, so there's like 111 other people who can save their money as well. Uh, it's good to be back after being gone for two weeks. Uh, appreciate so much what it means to come back and, and to worship with the body here at Christian Family Chapel. Uh, it's not that we don't attend church elsewhere when we're out of town. We do, but uh, I'm sure I'm biased, but I genuinely love this place. And as we were singing this hour this morning, my wife, Jackie, leaned over and said, man, I just really needed this song. And so I don't know if that happens to you at times throughout the services where we declare something in song where you go, man, the Lord really spoke to me in that way. If that's the case, and I hope it's the case, um, because we have a Thursday night service, then three times on Sunday morning, and I'm in here for all of them, uh, I, it's important for me to remember it's the first for you. So for me, Thursday night, the first time going through that set, I could say to my wife, man, there was like four times through the set on Thursday night where I was like, thank you, Lord. That was a good word to me. And, I, and I'm sure that happens for you. I just wanted to encourage you, when we engage in our time of worship and song, and we're not just going through motions. Don't just stand there. Really thoughtfully engage on what you're declaring. The Lord so much and so often speaks to us during those times as we declare truth. Uh, as he, we hope he does as we look at the scriptures. So uh, now that we are six weeks, seven weeks into the year, we're going back to the gospel of Mark this morning. So first month of the year, we looked at the whole enchilada, which in a word is what? Love. It is the greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way, evidence that you're a child of God because God is love and God dwells within us. Then the way that we put him most clearly on display is when we love others, love the body of Christ and love who he loves, love the world. And just want to remind you that even though we're out of the whole enchilada series, we are still encouraging you to remember that one of the practical ways we love one another is when we arrive, to arrive and with enough minutes to be able to greet one another and still be here as the Lord speaks to us as we spend our time in praise and worship. So just an encouragement for you again. I know it's hard to break old habits. We can do it for a short term, like go to the gym for three weeks and then get back into the old. We can come early for three weeks and then go back to the old. So I encourage you to be here uh, 15 minutes early as you are able so that we can engage to, with one another as a body and then be ready for worship together. So when we jump back into the gospel of Mark this morning, we're going to start in chapter eight, which is where we had left off the end of seven. But I predict something for you, that as we read the first 10 verses of Mark eight, there will be in many of you a, a, a few questions that are going on in your head as we read. And I just want you to know, don't panic, don't worry. I think I'm going to answer the questions that kind of go off in your head as we read these verses. If none go off, then I'm a little concerned. But I think some questions are going to go off in your head as we read these verses. All right, so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open Mark chapter 8. We're going to read the first 10 verses. In those days when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, 
I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? He was asking them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve to them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish and after he had blessed them, he ordered those to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large basketfuls of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there and he sent them away. All right, so we're gonna stop there. As I read those, you, you may be, first of all, thinking, didn't this already happen? I mean, how many of you thought that question? Didn't this already happen? And yes or no, did this already happen? Kinda. Can you give me a kinda? Yeah, a kinda, right? It's like, well, didn't this, didn't, didn't we already read this? Except if we remember details, the last time we talked about it, the hungry crowd was 4,000, not 5,000. The resources were seven loaves, not five. And the leftovers were seven baskets, not 12. So this happened before, but the details were a little different. But the general gist was exactly the same, right? So second question, I have asked myself this, is this really a different event? Ever ask yourself that? Is, it, is this this? Didn't this happen for it? Yes. Okay. So is this a different event? Or is this the same event told by a more conservative counter? Because <laughs> some people are just bad at counting. I could ask somebody after the surf day, how many people were in North Second Hour, and some would go, "Oh man, six hundred and other people would go, "Ah, three hundred." So maybe some people thought it was ah, 5,000, another four. Maybe it's the same event, just different counter. Think it's the same event or a different event? Uh, you, you seem pretty sure. I wasn't always so sure. There is a little bit of a clue in verse one. Did you notice the, the word in verse one that gives you a little bit of a clue? Again. Well, okay, that goes me, oh, okay, this is again, which means a second event. But the real kicker, the absolute certainty is in verse, if you'll just read a little bit longer, if you go down to verse 19 of chapter eight of Mark, Jesus says to his disciples, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said, they said 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basketfuls of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. So what is Jesus clearly identifying? Two different events. So then maybe if you weren't asking those questions, didn't we already do this? Is this really a separate event? You may be wondering, why a second nearly identical encounter? That's what I wrestled. As the teacher, I wrestled with that one. I was like, 
well, I could just take the week off and show you the November lesson. Right? But I was like, maybe I'll just skip it. And I go, hey, we already kind of talked about this. The details, the numbers are a little different, but we've already talked about this one. Let's move on to the next encounter. But I couldn't force myself to not stick with Jesus chose to, in a pretty close proximity of time, do nearly the exact same thing with his disciples. That had to be for a reason. Why? And if Jesus chose to do it again, take them through the, almost the, the exact same encounter, why would I just go, oh, I already did kind of this one? There's something going on here, in other words, that I think we actually shouldn't just blow by it and go, well, we've kind of done this one before. So the longer I stayed in this text, what happened was some timeless realities bubbled to the surface to the degree that I went, oh, he could have done this seven times and I'd still want to teach it every single time. Because the timeless realities that I think are rooted in why Jesus said, we're gonna, we're gonna do this deal again, is this. First reality that was true the first time, true this time, and remains true. We will always, as long as we live in this fallen world, we are gonna always encounter people with overwhelming need. It couldn't be more, well, any week I could give you an example. This week, it's the horror in South Florida. Where I, I'm sure how many of you went, oh, that is just rip your heart out to the core. Where you've gone, how, how does that happen? How do people do that? And then for you to go, and it's not going away. Um, how many of you, how many of you were in Jacksonville in June of 1990 when Jacksonville experienced the GMAC massacre? Yeah, I, for whatever reason, when, when we were praying for the families this week in staff, we were praying for what was going on in South Florida. And as we were praying, the Lord took me in my own mind back to June of 90 because there was a, a young dad two streets behind us who Jackie had tutored their little kids who died that day over off Old Bay Meadows. And just the, just the, the realization that there have been so many shootings since then that we tend to forget about that. But you know, there's, there's still a young 30-old who's gone, I still don't have a dad. And if he has kids, grandkids who go, I don't have a granddad. In other words, Need like that just doesn't happen for a week and go away. News happens for a week and goes away. But need doesn't, doesn't work that way. Now I have to confess to you, though, was as they were going through the news on it over and over and over again the other night, I, thought, I said to Jackie, okay, I can't take any more. I just, I just need to watch some people slide down a mountain with boards attached to their feet. Amen. You ever have to bail out at times like that and just go, it's overwhelming. And, 
And sometimes we try and put blinders on or we engage life at just this level and we don't really ask hard questions or find out what's going on. But if we ask questions, if we genuinely get to know, if we genuinely share, the reality is, and I think this is what's part of what's happening here, is Jesus is demonstrating that wherever you go, follower of Jesus, you're going to encounter need that just overwhelms, that you go, that's more than I can take. So what are you going to do? Because the second timeless reality connected to overwhelming need is that Jesus will always be compassionate. It shows up in chapter 6 in Mark in the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus says again, I feel compassion for them. He sees a, a widow in a funeral procession and says, I feel compassion for her. Jesus, who dwells in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, this is, this, is, this is where we find ourselves, facing a world of overwhelming need with the God who is compassionate dwelling within us. And when you marry those two together, then I think, and this is the key, and I think we are faced with we can't just blow by this passage again. This is a second. This is a repeat because as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we have got to learn how to become instruments through which God works in the face of overwhelming need. I know that's a lot of words. Don't get lost in all the words. I'm hopefully helping you go, there's a reason, I think a very good, powerful reason why Jesus does nearly identical encounter. And it's because you and I are always going to face need and be indwelt with the God of compassion. And we're going to be faced with how do we respond? How do we be Christ in that moment? Okay, let me ask you an honest question. Do you wrestle with on a regular basis? God, God, I don't know what to, I don't know how to be your presence in this moment. I feel, I feel like I need to help here. I feel like I want to help. I feel like I want to serve this marriage or this individual or this teenager. I just want to help them. They're so lost or they're hurting so bad. But I, I don't know how. See, I, I feel that. I live with the reality that the need that constantly is, is around us is demanding in me and from me an ever-increasing learning. What's it mean to be Christ in this moment? You live with that tension? I think that's what Jesus is gone. Guys, it's not going to be once and done. You're gonna, oh, yeah, I remember I was in an overwhelming need. No, it's going to be your constant experience that compassion is going to meet overwhelming need, and you're going to learn, you got to learn how to be me in this moment. And so from that, as I then spent more time in this passage, what came to the surface were these five core practices 
of what it means to be instruments of a compassionate God in the face of overwhelming need. And I've titled this very intentionally, Core Practices. These are things that we just can't take a swat at it and then move on. So often one of our our failures as people of God is we are, we're always interested in tell me something new instead of learning to practice what the scriptures defined as core. So in the search of new, we tend up not being very good instruments of God, a compassionate God in the face of overwhelming need. So I'm going to take us into the text and I hopefully you're going to walk out this morning going, these are five practices that I want to give myself to multiple times daily because that's the way life is. First, if we're going to be instruments of God, we need to learn to increasingly see opportunity, but in a particular way. To increasingly see opportunity according to God's declared desire. We need to see it according to God's declared desire. Now, let me show you what I mean. Jesus says in verse 2, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they're going to faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. Let me ask you, what is Jesus saying without actually coming right out and saying it? What's he telling his disciples he wants? Yeah, this this isn't complicated. Don't give me that look like I don't know. It's very clear. Without saying the words, what's Jesus saying? Come on. Feast game, feed them. We got to give these people some food. They're going to like fall out on the way home. So Jesus, without saying it, says we need to feed them. Did the disciples know what he was talking about? Did they know what he was really saying? Or were they going, we don't know what you mean. (laughs) Do they know? We know that they know because... They say, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? See, they know that God's desire is that these people get some food before they go home. But they miss the opportunity. Every day you go to the mailbox, whether it's snail mail or email, you got plenty of opportunity for people to use your minutes and your dollars, right? There, there's no lack of opportunity that shows up in our mailboxes. We could use this. We need this. You could do that. How do you sort through that? Well, let me give you the first. I think the way you sort through that is you ask this question. Well, in all these opportunities, has God declared his desire in any of these areas? Because those are gonna rise to the top. 
You follow that? Where God has declared he wants something to happen, that's going to rise to the top of all the opportunities that fill my life. Okay? I know you want that. So that's going to rise to the top. It's, you know, last, last week when I wasn't able to be here and Wayne so graciously filled in for me, the end, if you were here, he gave this unreached partnership, simply a catalog of five opportunities that you could help unreached people be reached with the gospel. We didn't just go, you know, wouldn't that be cool to do? What we said was, what do we know God has declared his desire is for this planet? Ah, at the core of his heart is that his glory would be in all the earth, that his name would be made great in every nation, that he has a picture that will be the picture of heaven where there will be worship of the Lamb of God from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. But the present circumstance in the world is that many people, many groups don't have the gospel. We could make a dent in that. See, that opportunity rises to the surface. That's important because the disciples didn't go, hey, I got an idea. What if we gave everybody some sushi? That'd be awesome. Everybody, let's give them sushi. It wasn't their idea. Whose desire was it? It was, don't miss that. So key. It was Jesus's desire. And the desires of God expressed in the scripture ought to be the filter that we run all of our opportunities through. They miss it. Why? Well, they knew Jesus wanted it. Why'd they miss it? Because they went... Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? They think, well, that's a great idea, except impossible. Hello? We can't do that. That's, nice of, that's a nice thought, except it's impossible. So uh, why, why is Jesus doing this a second time? Nearly identical encounter. Because the last time he said, we need to feed them. I'm compassionate. What'd they say? This is impossible. We don't have enough. So in other words, they had not learned one of the core practices. What did Jesus want them to do? I think Jesus really wanted them to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Feel compassion for them. They're going to fall out if we don't give them some food. Instead of saying... (laughs) that's impossible. Let's say, yes, Lord. Now, (laughs) what about saying, yes, Lord, that's impossible. I say, I'd be down with that one. It's, It's that we don't get the yes, Lord part. We just go straight to, that's impossible. 
I don't think we have to get ourselves together and go, we can do it. I don't know how, but we're going to do it. Oh, I think it's, yes, Lord, (laughs) that's impossible. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? What do they say? Seven? So what's Jesus say? Tell them to have a seat. He directed people, have a seat. That's the way it goes down. What do you think Jesus would have went? Oh, guys, here's the way I wish you would have done it. What what could have they done that when they did it, he would have went, yes, 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 yes. Man, am I glad I did this a second time because you're doing it completely differently than you did it the last time. But instead he's gone, yeah, just like last time. Now, sometimes I put false scripture up, try to fake you, you know, fake news. I'm not going to give you, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not what it says. I'm going to tell you, though, this is what I think would have been the home run for it the way to go down. Jesus says, I feel compassion for them. They're going to fall out if we send them home. They need some food. And the disciples answered him and said, we only have seven loaves, but we know you want to feed the crowd, so we have already had them sit down. (laughs) Here are the loaves. See, in this scenario, what's happening? (laughs) They're going, you say you want it, so we're telling them what they need to do, but (laughs) Jesus, this one's going to be on you because here's what we got, and it ain't enough. But here they are. I, I, I I don't think, oh, no, that's not, I think, I don't think, again, that they're going, that Jesus wanted to say, we can do it. I think he said, Jesus wants to do it. So let's act on that. It's so simple, but it's where we, it's the core practice we haven't learned. Jesus wants, so let's act on what he wants to do. And then the, the lack, that's his deal. You see, we flooded in a world with opportunity. What rises to the surface, what do we say? What God has declared he desires, those opportunities rise to the surface. And then we go, yes, Lord. And then we learn to increasingly, because we've said, yes, Lord, according to what his desires, we increasingly learn to step in, to engage, to step in, in spite of inadequacy. See, it's in spite of inadequacy. Can you connect to this? As as you engage overwhelming need, and you go, oh, oh, I feel badly for you as well. 
I just don't have what it takes. Let me call somebody. Let me afford it. Instead of going, ooh, (laughs) I know what God wants here. And I'm inadequate. I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to send them home. God has declared his desire. These are the resources. (laughs) And I'm going to give them to him. See, this is the exact same situation as before. And they did the exact same thing they did the last time instead of trusting him. We, just, we sang that song together this morning. I will ever trust you. So, trust you, Jesus. But how often have we gotten into the situation and thought, God, why am I? I've, I'll just make it for me. I know. Many times I've said, why am I anxious here? Why am I afraid? Why am I worried? It's just foolishness. God has showed himself faithful in the past. Why am I back into my old practice of being foolish? Why am I fearfully disengaging instead of trustingly engage? Why? It's because these core practices, they don't just happen like that. Jesus is saying there's going to be a life of overwhelming need and and you're going to need to learn to win to stop the impossible that hits in your mouth and that yes, Lord, come out of your mouth and, and stop that. This is the natural reaction to step back, to disengage, to go, oh no, that's too much, that's too big, that's too hard. To, to step in. It's, it's learning new habits because our habits are the opposite. We seize the opportunities we want We only do what we think is possible. And if we feel inadequate, we pass. I mean, really, when's the last time you went, oh, Lord, yes. But then we wonder why, God, where's the miraculous happening in my life? We miss the miraculous. Well, again, I'll just say for me, you can, I know how often do I miss the miraculous because I just chicken out. Because I engage according to capacity, adequacy, instead of going, yes, Lord, I will engage even though I know I'm inadequate. Well, thankfully, Jesus goes, we're going to learn this. <laughs> we're going to do this again. And he directed the people to sit down. Who directed them? He did. You see, he didn't bail out. He didn't go, oh, only got seven? Hmm, just thinking we had more. He, he knows what he has. He directs, he directs the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve to them. And they served them to the people. Now, Again, I'm I'm presuming some things I wish I didn't have to. The feeding of the 5,000, this 
identical, nearly identical situation was just back in Mark chapter 6. If you go back and compare, apart from the numbers, the event unfolds almost exactly the same. Jesus has the people sit down. The disciples do what? Disciples bring them the loaves that they have, and then what does Jesus do? Jesus multiplies it, and then what do the disciples do? They hand it out. Which part are you up for? The multiplying part or the delivery part? See, don't miss this. This seems so subtle. It's just like, oh, this is the way it unfolded. Oh, this is super, super important. In both and in every circumstance, it is Jesus' responsibility to do the miraculous. And it's our responsibility to be the delivery boys. For, very practically, I've told you this before, let me share it in this setting. For years, I was scared to death to pray for people's healing. Because I was afraid if I asked for healing and then they weren't healed, then people would think, well, useless prayer. Don't email Doug. Find somebody else who knows how to heal. And that's what we do, right? We find out somebody's healers in town. Okay, let's go. Except... Who heals? Only Jesus heals. Only God heals. He multiplies. What do we do? Deliver. We deliver. And so, don't misunderstand me. It is one of my greatest privileges to pray and ask for healing. Because I know the answer is not dependent upon me. I simply carry the basket called prayer of asking. What I want us to capture, the practice, because I think it's we don't get this straight that we bail out and we don't become instruments of God, is we need to increasingly learn, hey, I'm going to do my part, delivery, (laughs) And trust Jesus to do his part, the miraculous part. See, how... uh, You're writing. Just a second. How many of you can handle the delivery part? Let me see your hands. How many of you go, oh, I could carry some baskets? Let me see your hands. If you don't have your hand up, you can do it. (laughs) You can. You can do it. How many of you want the responsibility of breaking the seven loaves to feed the thousands? (laughs) That's Jesus' part. Really, you see that? That's Jesus' part. But we bail out because sometimes we think, ooh, that's my part. I've got to multiply this. 
And you don't have to multiply it. You got to deliver it. Jesus gets to do the miraculous. And so I'm free. I'm free to genuinely share the gospel with people, joyfully knowing I'm just a delivery boy. I don't have to persuade them. I don't convince them. I don't have to get them to cross over and trust in Jesus. That is 100% his responsibility. But it is my responsibility to go, here's Jesus. But because I think I have to go, then I shrink back. You see, learning to be in it, the core practice is, Lord, what do you want? Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm inadequate, but I am engaging to do my part. You got to do your part, and your part is the miraculous. Your part is the supernatural. But you've said you've won it, so I'm going to trust you to do it as I engage. You see, now there's, there's rest Thursday night. We started Alpha. It's our first group. And do you remember what we said according to Alpha when we were starting Alpha, what our part was? Yeah. I'm supposed to have it here, but it's missing. There it is. Here's our part. To invite. I don't know if they'll come. That's not your part. Our part, invite. Well, I don't know if they'll believe. That's not your part. And I don't know if they're going to like it. That's not your part. See, I don't have to decide whether they come. I don't have to decide if they're going to like it. I don't have to decide if they're going to believe in Jesus. My part, invite. So my buddy here walked in halfway through Thursday night with a friend, that, a friend of his that I had never met. I was like, hmm, I'm going to have to meet them after he brought him up. I said, tell me. They were at Alpha. He brought his neighbor to Alpha. When did you get baptized, Mitch? How long have you guys been baptized? You go, dude. A month in, and he was there. Prepared to walk home with his buddy without a car. Wow. Just doing your part, man. I was delighted to meet him. Austin. Yeah. I don't know if Austin's going to believe. I don't know what's going to happen with Austin. I just, I just know he got invited. That, why do we miss the miraculous? Because sometimes we get it mixed up and we think we got to do Jesus' part and that's... And so we bail out. Or pump ourselves up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You are not going to do it. Let me just assure you, you're not going to do it. If it happens, it will be because God does the supernatural. Just deliver. Just deliver. Deliver the gospel. Deliver grace. Deliver compassion. Deliver an invitation. Deliver a listening ear. Just deliver. And let God do his part. Because when both do their part, it's pretty awesome. 
and they ate and were satisfied. You know why that's such a great word? Why? It says that they ate, they were satisfied. You know why it's so great? Go back to verse four. You got your Bible open? Go back to verse four. What did the disciples say when Jesus said between the lines, we need to feed these people? What'd they say? Who could find enough food around here to satisfy these people? And what's the answer? Yeah, this sounds so churchy, but wow, here it is. Who could satisfy that many people? Jesus. Jesus. So, I want to make sure we pause here for a moment. We've been looking at it 100% from the perspective of the 12, learning to become instruments of God. Look at it from the crowd for a moment. Be one of the 4,000. Hungry, about to go home, but no food. And then Jesus does the miraculous. And these 12 guys deliver it. And you go home, that was good. Wow, I'm full. Jeez. Wow. Jesus. Don't miss that written into this story is a reminder that there is in Jesus and only in Jesus satisfaction. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Some of you have your stories and your scars of how you tried to find satisfaction in life apart from Jesus. You went down paths that turned out to be hard and ugly. And you have desperately wanted to wave other people down and go, don't, don't go down that path. Don't go down. It won't satisfy. And people have blown right by you. Or maybe you're blowing down that path right now. I want, listen, I want you to hear me say, as much as we're looking at it from the 12, listen, crowd, there is in Jesus and only in Jesus a satisfaction for the soul. Have you found your satisfaction in Jesus? Now to go back from the 12 perspective, what a privilege to deliver. I mean, have you, have you, have you ever put yourself collecting the leftovers? <laughs> wow. Weren't we just doing this? How, how, did I, how did I miss this? Why didn't we have the people sit down? Why did we think seven was nine? We just, you ever have those? Oh man, why, why? <laughs> or that moment where you trusted him and you think, why don't I do this more often? This was awesome. What a privilege. God, God is working that person's life and, and I got to be the delivery boy. There's no greater privilege. That's the practice of learning to, and I, I hope this rings in your heart, to increasingly see that the greatest privilege in life is being a part of people being, finding satisfaction in Jesus. There's no greater privilege in life than that one. Since it's on our mind, folks, that's better than winning a gold medal. Seriously, that's better than winning a gold medal. 
Because people finding satisfaction in Jesus could never be taken away from them, and it will last for all eternity. There's no greater privilege. But people practice and practice and practice for years, sometimes for 12 straight years, to literally get a gold medal. But we don't practice what it takes to be the greatest, to participate in the greatest privilege. Opportunity, according to God. Ah, oh, yes, Lord. I feel in over my head. I'm going to engage anyway. Because it's, I know my part. See, it's not always linear. Sometimes you just got to know your part and what your part isn't. Okay, I can do that. I can deliver. I can carry a basket. That's right. Yes, I can do that. I want, our, I want our prayer to be an opportunity for two declarations for you this morning. I'm going to show them to you. You get to decide whether you want to declare them or not. First, I'm a fool. Any and every time I seek to find satisfaction apart from you, Jesus, I look to you and you alone to satisfy my deepest desire. Now, none of us are doing this perfectly, right? But this is, it begins with, this is what I long. This is my declaration. This is what I want. So if if that's, if that, along with that crowd that day, if that's what's in your heart, I invite you to declare it with me out loud right now. I am a fool any and every time I seek to find satisfaction apart from you, Jesus. I look to you and you alone to satisfy my deepest desires. Second, I too often only engage according to what I perceive as possible instead of what you declared you desire. I present myself to you in all of my inadequacy and trust you will do your part as I do my part. Here I am, Lord. Again, this, we don't do this perfectly. This is practice. This will take years and years and years and years and years of practicing. It's not something we say one time one Sunday morning and then move on. But I invite you, if, if you, that's, that's what I want. I want to participate in that privilege. I invite you to declare it with me. I too often only engage according to what I perceive as possible instead of what you have declared you desire. I present myself to you in all of my inadequacy and trust you will do your part as I do my part. Here I am, Lord. You're going to go out the doors and hit overwhelming need. A compassionate God lives in you. Be his instrument and participate in the greatest privilege of others finding satisfaction in Jesus. God bless.